My dad was a, a race car driver and had his own racing team then as well, so spent more time at a track than is probably healthy for a young boy and, and gave me a big resentment towards professional sports in a way. It, it's kind of strange because, you know, there were times where I remember very young being a, I think it was an indie race and some guy coming up and I was sitting in the pits with a big pair of ear protectors on and this guy coming up with a smelly cigar saying, you know, kid, you're so lucky. You know, when I was young, I'd love to, and I just felt like crying because racetracks are loud, they're smoky. You know, your dad, who who you love, is not paying attention to you. And, and and frankly, I didn't actually really get to know my dad when I was quite young. And if he hadn't actually had a heart attack at a young age, he probably would have stayed in that business. He was very, very successful on the racing circuit uh, as, a, as a team manager. So that was uh, something that allowed him to get out of the game early. My dad sort of, although he had five kids, didn't necessarily understand kids. And uh, he, was, he, he was sort of a, a hands-off dad. His... His upbringing would be considered exceptionally broken. He was homeless when he was age seven during the Great Depression. His mother had married 14 times. I think I think she actually married more times than Liz Taylor. Um, and he would, you know, at one stage he was raised by Mormons up in Utah. It was a real mess. And so he always had this profound belief that, that, that having a family and keeping it together was pretty much the only thing that mattered in life. But uh, I don't know that... Um, that he could necessarily relate to me as a young boy because I was just into very different things. I wasn't into the stuff that he liked. So uh, it took probably until really my 20s until we had a good relationship. But when it came, it was definitely worth it. You know, I just, I love that guy. I miss him so much. He died in 2007. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, that I was lucky to have. And I have two sons now, so I hope to... I hope to not repeat that thing of, of only really getting to know them when they're that bit older, so... I try and spend a lot of time with them, and that's my way of balancing out my karma. Irish mothers are a special lot, you know, and, and even Irish mothers in America are a special lot. Yeah, our summers are spent on the beach and, and with friends, and she'd be up and you'd come out of the water to, to get a sandwich or something. She'd be sitting under an umbrella or, or sunbathing, and my memories are always very happy. Uh, as, as we got older, actually, I live close to her now, and I see her all the time, and it's a, it's a great source of strength for a person to have a, a parent relationship that is positive and good and I always a little part of me secretly feels awful for people when they say they don't get along with their parents because it's it's one of the most special relationships you can have yeah yeah I met my wife um I was out playing football and drinking cans actually in uh, (laughs) Malahide Castle of all things and a girl that I kind of knew came over with some of her friends and and I didn't like her one bit and and it's it's funny that that really what was happening is that thing that that used to happen as, as a kid in the playground where you kind of think that you don't like someone, but it's because you're you're just so attracted to them that it actually annoys you. <laughs> so, yeah, we eventually we we hooked up and and never looked back. You know, we met when we were nineteen. I'm thirty seven now. We got married in in two thousand and seven. We've two boys. We've been together forever, and uh, she means everything to me. It's uh, one of those things you take for for granted, I suppose, in your day to day going home or. Like everybody, you know, you you have arguments or things, but but underneath it all, uh, I'm I'm very grateful that life threw her in my path, you know. So, I got I got I got to say thanks to fate for that. And obviously, if she's listening, acknowledge you're the best best gal in the world, Louise. <laughs> 
I think for me becoming a dad, you know, when I was young, I'd always be terrified of getting a girl pregnant. It was like, you know, that was the worst thing that could happen. If I had known the joy that, that being a parent would bring, I probably would have been a lot more reckless. Now, I'm not saying that, <laughs> you know, that the whole plan would be all work out happily ever after. I'm, I'm much happier being in, in a family unit where, where I'm married and, and, and our son's living in our house with us. But it's incredibly rewarding. My my first boy, Sam, came to us in 2009. Um, he, he's a he's a character. Loves dinosaurs. You know, he's telling me last night that uh, Stegosaurus is a herbivore. Now, where he even gets this, I don't even know what half this stuff is. But second son, I suppose we we had a boy named James who didn't live, and um, that was kind of a one of those things that. As you meet more people, you realize a lot of people lose children. Ours, he had a thing called Edward syndrome, and he passed away in the second trimester, so he was delivered, but but he didn't live. Our, our next boy is Casey. He joined us about four months ago, and uh, he's in that stage where it's a lot of hard work. But um, you know, I know he's going to get to that fun point, and it'll be it'll be great. I'm looking forward to seeing them grow. Edward syndrome, they usually don't make it till they're born, or if they do, they die <clears throat> very shortly afterwards. So we we were delighted and expecting our second boy, um, and and you know everything was was great. But they found this uh, irregularity. It's called a knuckle gap. It's like a gap at the back of the neck that they scan for, and it was is unusually large. So we found out about that, and then I was like, golly, and uh, you know, you go into a very strange place. That's a painful thing because I think that you know if, if you know what you're missing out on, if you see the loss of that potential, it's it's a it's something that you acknowledge deeply versus, say, if you if you didn't know any better. Normally, it's a it's a kind of a fairly driving music, but this this next song is uh, is a brand called uh, Gospel Bluegrass, and it's it's kind of a genre which is where they use the American folk tradition for for hymnals or or songs that are religious in orientation. And uh, I sang it. Yeah, when my dad passed away in two thousand and seven. This was the one that I did at his funeral and. Um, Made it through the song, but I think most of the people in the church were crying. And it's a, it's a real beautiful number, which you'll hear now. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul never dies. My darkest night will turn to day where the soul never dies. No sand will be no It's 
shines and lights the way to home where the soul never dies. No sad farewells, no tear dimmed eyes. Where all is peace and joy and love and the soul never dies. Bye.